We're in a series entitled Energy Boost. In fact, we're wrapping up that series this weekend. Energy Boost. You ever feel like you need an energy boost? Not a five-hour, about a five-month energy boost. You know what I'm saying? Get you through the next season. We've all been there. There's times that we feel uninspired. There's times we, we give up on a dream. There's times that we, we need to recover our desire or restore our hopes in life. That's what this series is about. In fact, it's been our life group series. And in life groups, they're meeting together and sharing the uh, lesson that, that I'm sharing on the weekend. And if you're not in a life group, can I just encourage you, connect in a life group, a place to grow and a place to meet friends, a place to just uh, create a community of fellowship and, and support with one another. This weekend, I want to talk about restoring hope. I want to talk about hope. It seems like in America, it seems like in our world, there is a drought of hope. It seems like hope is waning. And there's so much hopelessness in our world today. People who feel like they're doomed in, in one experience of life or one stage of life. They feel helpless. They feel like there's nothing they can do. They feel like they're stuck. They've hit a rock bottom moment. Someone said that when they hit rock bottom, they discovered rock bottom has a basement. You can hit the lowest point in life, a place you don't understand and a place you can't explain. People, some struggle with PTSD, just tormented by emotions and can't, can't move on. They feel paralyzed in life. People, and it's just so prevalent in our society today, thoughts of suicide. Just latent thoughts of life would be better, my family would be better if I wasn't around. And that unhealthy thinking is, is, is evident of a loss of, of hope. Psychology Today magazine says that in society, those with the highest level of sadness are the widowed. But the same article went on to say that the divorcee and the separated have the highest level of worthlessness in society. Just feeling like there's no hope. Feeling like they, they, they have nothing. Their dream, their expectation, their, their desire for the future has, has passed them by. We often use the phrase, and I think just capriciously, you know what, I, I hope it rains. <laughs> I hope the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Do you know that's not hoping, that's, that's wishing. The difference between a wish and hope. A wish is something you can't do anything about. I, I wish it would rain, but I can't make it rain. I wish the Cowboys would win the Super Bowl, but I can't do anything about that. Hope, however, hope, however, means you can do something about it. When you have hope, there's the idea that the future can be better. Hope is the idea that no matter how bad it is, 
there's something I can do about it. You say, well, what can I do about it? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that, that love always hopes. And sometimes the way you move through the most hopeless situation is you just, you just determine to love God and love your family. That, that person that you're struggling, you love them through it. Yes, there is a place of hope there is a experience that you can get to where you can move beyond the feeling of i can't do anything about it many of us today we need a dose of hope some of us have given up on dreams some of us are no longer praying prayers that we used to pray some of us are not asking god for for the things we used to ask god for we're we're kind of stuck in a malaise and some of us feel like we've lost our hope. I want to introduce somebody to you in the Bible. You may or may not have heard of her before. Her name is Rahab. Rahab makes her appearance in Scripture in Joshua chapter 2. She's connected with the story of the city of Jericho. Many of you are connecting the dots right now. Rahab, she was a resident of the city of Jericho. Under Joshua, when God told him, move into the promised land, the land that God had given the Israeli people to have, and it was their promised land, they moved in, and the first formidable challenge they came to was a walled city called Jericho. Now, in those days, homeland security was the, was the wall how they protected their citizens and how, how, how they would guard themselves. They would build stone walls around the city about 20, 25 feet high. And those walls were, were actually the homeland security. It was their protection against invading armies. The Hebrew people under the leadership of Joshua came to that city called Jericho. Joshua said, I'm going to send spies into the land. I need to measure the opposition that we're going to face at the city of Jericho. Are they formidable? What, what, what kind of army they have? What kind of, what kind of tools of war are, are we going to face when we get there? So he sent spies into the city incognito just to see what they were doing. Somehow, word got out that there were Hebrew spies in the city, so they began to search for them. They, they sent out the sheriffs and said, find them, accost them, arrest them. We, we need to find these Hebrew uh, spies. And they hid in the house of a resident of the city of Jericho, and her name is Rahab. Now Rahab, the Bible says, her house was on top of the wall, which tells us that, that she was... She, she, she was very wealthy. She was well off to have a house on top of the wall. For you see, there was no air conditioning in those days. And to have a house on top of the wall where the, the breeze could blow and cool it off, that was, that was an envious place, envious place to build a house. And while she's there, she hid the Hebrew spies. She asked them. She knew that God was going to give the city to the Israelis. She, she knew in her heart God was going to be the victor. And she had one request of the Hebrew spies. When you come and you seize the city, would you save me and my household? 
And the Bible says that the spies told her, when we come, when our army marches in, if there is a scarlet cord hanging out of the exterior window of the wall, God will honor you and God will protect you and all that's in your household. And sure enough, that's what happened. With that in mind, have I've entered, uh, since I've introduced the story to you, let's dig in and let's look at the life of Rahab because I think she speaks to us about hope. We're going to go first to Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 31. And it says, by faith, here's our introduction, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Sure enough, here is a lady of questionable character. She was a prostitute, and God would honor her faith. What is it telling us? God never gives up. God doesn't look at your past. He's looking at your future. And as on the few verses we have in the Bible of Rahab, I went through and I counted. Of the Ten Commandments, she violated six of the Ten Commandments. I can see in the few verses a violation of six of the Ten Commandments. If that was a, 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 an exam in school, she would come out with a 40. That's a failing grade on any standard. In other words... She was not the person you would think would be deserving of God's favor. She's not the person you would select as being that person, you know what, God can use them and God will help them. She's kind of on the other end. Her life and her character is something of suspect. Now let's go to the book of Joshua and there's a few things about this I want you to see, and then we're going to unpack it, and I think it has a message of hope for us. In Joshua chapter 2, verse number 15, it says, it says, So she let them down by a rope, the spies, from her window, through the window, for the house she lived in was a part of the city wall. A part of the city wall. They went down, actually scaled the outer wall by a rope. Now go on to verse number 18. Unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and your mother and your brothers all in, and all of your household. In other words, if, if you have the scarlet cord when we come, everyone that's in your household will be saved. Verse 21, and it says, and she tied the scarlet cord in her window. So let's, let's talk about that. I think it's interesting that the Bible references not only that she tied a cord, but it was a scarlet cord. And the first thought I want to drop in our hearts this morning is that you're never too messed up for Jesus. You're never too messed up for Jesus. Some of us think I've broken a promise. God can't use me. Some of you said, I, I promised God I would, and I didn't. And I promised God I wouldn't, and I did. So I messed up. I'm damaged good. It won't, it won't work for me. I, I have miscalculations. I have blunders. I have sin. I have failure. I have given excuses. I, it, I, there's no one to blame. I, my life is, is a mess. Can I tell you, you're never too messed up for Jesus. And I'm caught by the fact 
The Bible references on two occasions in this story, it was a scarlet cord. She probably went down to Hobby Lobby just like I did to get her scarlet cord because that's where I got mine. Why does the Bible tell us the color of the cord? Now, throughout time, I, I, I've heard preachers in the past have referenced it. Well, it's a type of the blood of Jesus, and it's God's redeeming grace of Jesus on the cross. With all due respect, that's not the purpose. The Bible says it's a scarlet cord. So what is the significance that there was a scarlet cord hanging out of her window? I think we can find it going through Scripture. In Genesis chapter 38, the Bible says that there was a woman who dressed up like a prostitute, and the Scripture says she had a scarlet cord with her. In Revelation chapter 17, in that prophetic story of the world system at the end of the age, the Bible describes that world system as a harlot or a prostitute, and she's arrayed in a scarlet robe. You see, the color scarlet in that day was actually a symbol, was a sign, was a signage that a person was a prostitute. Ladies in that day, who that was their profession, there was a grub worm that they would take, and from the grub worm, they would, they would make a lipstick, and it was scarlet colored, and they would wear it upon their lips. They would have either on their attire, they would be dressed in scarlet colored, or, or they would uh, have it tied around them. And they were in the scarlet cord district, the red light district of that day, if you please. Their home Outside of their house, perhaps on the exterior of the door, there was a scarlet cord. As men would walk down the street and they were seeking erotic pleasures from uh, ladies that that was their profession, they would identify it by the color scarlet. In fact, the color itself was like a web address. It, 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 was, it was like their website. When you would see it, you would know exactly what profession the lady was in in that culture in that day, and it represented a woman of questionable character in that day. What I want you to see is when the spies were there, under the inspiration of the Lord, here's what they said. If you will take this scarlet cord, if you will take that scarlet cord, that you have hanging outside of your door to advertise to the men in the area to come in. If you will go out of business in that area and you will hang that scarlet cord out of your back window. If you will take your pain, your mistake, and your failure and you'll give it to God, God will take care of you. If you will just let God take the brokenness, the failures, the mistakes of your life, God will accept it, and he'll make something good out of it. Here's what I want to bring to you. You're never too messed up for Jesus. God can take the addiction, the pain, the memory, the mistake, the failure, the promise you didn't keep, the, 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 the sin in your life, 
the miscalculation. God can take all the messes we've made in life and we give them over to God. God not only receives them, God says, I have a higher purpose. I will take the brokenness of your life and what the enemy and what life meant for harm, God can bring for good. And some of us have given up on a dream because we feel like we have a scarlet cord of a broken promise, a mistake in the past, a failure we've made, and there is something that haunts you. There is something that torments your soul, and you know that mistake is so big and looming, and you feel like God can't work with you, and God won't accept you. I'm here to say God takes the brokenness of our life, and he turns it around, and he uses it for his good. You're never too messed up for Jesus. You're you're never so far gone you're, you're, no, you're, you're never too far into an addiction, into a mistake, into a failure that God can't do something in your life. As the old hymn used to say, what can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus has the way of retrieving the trash can experiences of our life and making treasure chest out of them. He takes our failures and God uses them for his best. He takes us from the guttermost to the uttermost. You see, mistakes, failures, bad decisions, mess-ups in life, they don't disqualify us from Jesus. They qualify us for restoration. And some of us have given up on our hopes. Some of us are, feel like we're damaged goods. And God can't or won't use us. And I want you to know, Jesus forgives and Jesus restores our hopes. A few months ago, I was in a gathering of pastors, and I had a pastor friend that was there. And there were different pastors around, and I noticed he was in the corner off by himself, and he had a forlorn look on his face. So I went over to him, and I said, Pastor, are you all right? And like most of us, we say, doing fine. I said, come on, what's up? He said, Pastor Jim, he said, I pastor in Rockport. He said, "We're, we're two years this side of Hurricane Harvey and my church and my community has not recovered. He said about 25% of Rockport has moved away when the hurricane came through. It destroyed their homes and people just left and moved away. 25% of the community. He said a third of my church is no longer there. A third of my congregation The support, the offerings are down. Our church building was destroyed. We don't have a church to meet in. We don't have enough people to rebuild. People are taking their, what would be their offerings and they're trying to build their own houses. And we don't have the funds and we're struggling just to get back on our feet as a church. He said, what would you do? And I pondered it. And I felt like the Lord gave me a word in my spirit. 
I said, here's what I would do, and here's what Westover will do. I know I won't rebuild your church, but I'm going to send you from our kingdom builders right now $5,000 I'm going to put in your building program. I want to encourage you. We're going to be a part of it. And I told him, I said, why don't you preach a message in the, in the fall called repurposed? Why don't you go out to the debris pile where, where roofs were blown off and walls were knocked down and homes were devastated? Go out there to the debris pile with the broken lumber and timber and twisted and mangled uh, debris from the ravishes of of Hurricane Harvey and retrieved some of that broken, twisted wood, two-by-fours, two-by-sixes, and timber. And why don't you build a beautiful piece of furniture, set it on your platform, and tell your congregation, this is the remains. This beautiful piece of furniture was built from the ravage and the broken pieces of Hurricane Harvey and tell your church, that's what God can do to your life. God can take the broken pieces of dreams and broken promises and miscalculations and failures of your past and he can repurpose it and he can give you a new dream and a new life. And this weekend, Pastor Danae and Pastor Jonathan are down there ministering to them as a part of the new series they're preaching right now entitled Repurpose. I want you to know God can repurpose your life. God can take the scarlet cord that represented the biggest failures of your life. And God says, if you will give me the biggest failures of your life, I will make them the biggest successes of your life. Hope does that. You're never too messed up for Jesus. Number two, I want to share with you. Don't quit because Jesus won't give up on you. Some of you want to quit. Some of you just say, I can't do it. Some of you saying, I don't have the energy. I don't have the want to. Some of you about to throw in the towel. Some of you just think, I just can't do it anymore, Pastor. I don't, I, don't, I don't have the drive for it anymore. You feel empty. You've literally hit your rock bottom. And there's some unhealthy thoughts that you're pondering. And I want to invite you to never quit because Jesus won't give up on you. I want to go back again to the story of the scarlet cord. Not only does the Scripture tell us what color it was, scarlet. God takes our failures and he uses it. But in verse 18 and 21, it says that it was a scarlet cord. Stay with me for a moment. I'm going somewhere. A scarlet cord. I began to study this and I just, God, you're saying something here and I just feel like I haven't found, I haven't found in the text there's something else you're saying here. And I began to do word searches, began to read the verses in the original Hebrew, and I discovered something. I discovered something. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It's translated into English in our Bibles. We read it in the English Bible. But there's something God is saying that you don't find in the English. You have to go back to the Hebrew word. 
In verse 18 and verse 21, it says it was a scarlet cord. Both verses, cord. That Hebrew word for cord is only translated cord twice in the entire Bible. And both times it's in Joshua chapter 2. But that Hebrew word is used repeatedly throughout Scripture, but it's never translated cord again. And all the other translations, it's the Hebrew word for hope. Hope. Here's what God is saying. Here's what the spies were saying under the inspiration of the Lord. When we come back, if there's hope hanging out your window, your part of the wall will not fall. If when we come back, if you'll just have hope in God, if you'll just have that hope, if you'll just hang that hope outside your window, and we know in your household's hope, everyone in your household will be saved. And all you've got to do is have hope, and your part of the wall will not fall. Here's what God is saying. If you'll just have hope, God won't let you down. If you'll have hope, God won't let you down. No matter how you've miscalculated, what mistakes you've made, the biggest blunders of your life, if you'll say, God, I can't change the past, but I'm going to hang out of my window. I'm going to hang out of my heart. I'm going to hold on to hope. And if you'll hold on to hope, God will hold on to you. Let me put it to you this way. Hang on to God because God will not hang up on you. And some of us, we're about to give up. You're about to say, God, I can't do it. And this weekend, the Holy Spirit knew where you were at, and he wanted to say to you, don't quit. In Italy, one of the famous sculptors of that day in Florence, Italy, was Agostino Antonio. He was renowned for sculptures he would be able to create out of marble stone. He was working on a piece of marble one day and frustrated with it just couldn't work and the, and the texture and the grain of the marble. And he said, I, can do, I can't do anything with this. He said, take this, this wasted piece of marble out of, out of my shop. They hauled the stone marble out and discarded it. Other sculptors tried to work with that piece of marble of no avail. The marble was, was not receptive to the work and the craftsmanship of some of the great sculptors of that day until until 40 years later, Michelangelo passed by and he saw that piece of marble. He said, I want that piece of marble brought to my studio. They brought it in. And the master sculptor began to work. And from that ugly piece of marble that no one else could see good in, 
He created the renowned bust of David, which is a priceless treasure today. That's what God does. He takes lives, dreams, and hopes that other people said, nothing you could do with it. He takes a prostitute by the name of Rahab and said, Rahab, if you'll just give your scarlet cord to the Lord, God will use it. Can I tell you the unfinished story of Rahab's life? Her name is mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 5. She's in the lineage of Jesus, a prostitute. God said, I can use her, and she's one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ himself and made it in the gospel of Matthew. God can take you from the guttermost to the uttermost in life if you'll give him a chance.